Welcome back to Don't Call It a Book Club. My name is Luke. My name is Dan. We have some exciting news. We're amped up, Luke! When this episode comes out, it will have been a year, Dan. A year of us recording. Or a year of us posting episodes. That's right. We've been recording for much longer. Pretty exciting, I mean, I we, guess. We've had some big milestones. Um, still big haven't milestones. got LeBron on the show. That's coming. That's coming soon. But we've had some a good amount of, of authors that we've talked to, which I feel like is a good first step to getting, to getting LeBron on. Yeah, they're, they're each helping us on our path towards LeBron. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We've yet to attract any attention for our Aragon movie remake. Well, well, we don't know that, you know? You know, that's fair. Hollywood is there pretty secret some, these days. Some, some board meetings going on. They're like, hey, this idea is not bad. You saw that trailer that those guys put out a while ago. <laughs> I was really one of the seven it. people that saw that trailer. But, okay, in honor of of one year, we're going to do a very quick intro. Dan, t- tell us what our intro is going to yeah, be. Yeah, this is going to be a first time uh, rescinded hot take because the scooters suck shit, Luke. <laughs> the scooters are the worst. I hate them. They're fucking awful. Okay. And this is because... This was last episode. Dan. Literally yesterday. Okay. Yesterday was Wednesday. That's three days after i recorded my my ode to scooters riding to school on my bike scooter is coming the opposite direction the wrong way in the bike lane i'm like hey you're going the wrong way you're going the wrong way collision blood on the fucking streets yes dan's on the streets dan's on the streets scooter boys on the streets are you fucking kidding me he looks at me like it's my fault he doesn't say a word the whole time. No words. And I'm like, are you kidding me? You're going the wrong way. You didn't signal to me which way you were going to like kind of pass me in this interaction. And now we're both on the ground and you're just going to stare at me. Sc- I can't believe you kept this a secret from me until now. The scooters suck shit, Luke. <laughs> I hate them. Okay. Okay. I think that's fair. Hot take rescinded. Now we've both rescinded hot takes. <clears throat> That's fair. Good. That's, you know, under, yeah, there we go. We got it in under a year to a hot take rescinded for each of us within our first year. What an accomplishment. It's important to recognize when you made a mistake, like riding yeah. your fucking scooter the wrong way in the bike lane. Oh my God. <sighs> All right. All right. All right. Let's, let's channel that anger into our discussion of the blade itself. We have finished the book, mm-hmm. talking about this this last third, or the, the book as a whole. And Dan, why does everyone in the Inquisition have to suck? Or just like have shitty motives? Yeah. yeah. Just be a good detective, guys. Does no, one, does no one like their job and like wants to just be finding out murders? Like, we need to, we need to. We need to clean up the streets. There's no one out there doing that. Everyone mm. out there is just a shitty person. The other thing about it is it seems like there's only three of them, right? Doesn't it seem like there's only three Inquisitors in the whole place? 
Y- yes. Or you mean so? Okay, we've got the Arc Lector, who's obviously not involved in the day to day stuff. He's the boss. We've had a couple superiors, which seems like there's one superior per city or something like that. Yep. And then we've got we've got Glockta and his duo. Yep. And then we don't really hear any anyone else until until I guess Goyle, the new superior, comes in. Mm-hmm. And then this last scene with like forty of them. Well, forty practicals. Right. Well, actually, 20 practicals. The art collector is very particular about the fact that there are 20 practicals? Absurd! Yeah. I don't know who else is doing the detective work. Uh, we haven't seen anybody. But so, so do you mean like the practicals are kind of incompetent? Or do you mean like everybody here kind of is bad at their job? I, I mean... So the practicals are kind of the same way, but I'm not really focusing on them. Mm -hmm. I'm more talking about the people in charge. Mm. So that's Salt. That's uh, the the original superior. The new one, Goyle. Glockta to a lesser degree. Just no one seems to... their, Their job is to snuff out crimes basically right they're essentially detectives is my understanding of it so far yeah but it also it sounds more like they just scare people into doing what they want okay yeah i think their i think their role their assigned role from up above is to basically be the detective force yeah, not I, necessarily just not necessarily for just like murders or crimes, but uh, almost kind of like FBI, like you were mentioning last time. Exactly. Yeah, but there, everyone there is just like shitty. Like the 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 one the one that really frustrated me was when our first introduction into the new Superior Goyle, I think is his name. Yeah, and they're investigating this this cannibalism case. And he comes in and he's just like, no, dogs. And they do some weird intimidating thing to the the university guy. Yeah. And then they're like, dogs, it's dogs. Solve that case. Big win. Think of the big win what? for Goyle. The, solve the case. <laughs> Luke, solve the case. I mean, they obviously don't care about the truth. Right. That's evident from the fact that they torture people to get them to say what they want. So... <laughs> in a certain respect they're very good at their job because he's able to intimidate this university guy really well into being like yep it was dogs all right and we didn't hear anything else about it afterwards but so the other thing that kind of bothers me about how just ineffectual they are is when salt is trying to expose bias in front of everyone and he puts on this big show and then he directly confronts Baez and is like, how about you break the table if you're Baez? And Baez is like, I don't really think so, but I got this key, so na-na-na-boo-boo. And Salt's like, mm, okay, well, I'm still not 100% convinced and then goes to sit down and his chair is broken in half. At that point, it's like you he basically did what you asked him to do. You <laughs> right. don't need to see the key anymore. Right? Right. Like 
he's he's demonstrated he can break furniture in half and and even at the end when it's shown that that was the key at the end of this scene he's still like i he still doesn't think that he's bias right right just well here's the thing luke this is part of a larger conspiracy dan's picking up the threads of this one okay salt definitely in the pocket of so in this last third we learn a lot more about um juvens i think is his name the head wizard juvens and his 11 disciples which like come on you can just add one more to make it you know exactly (laughs) like the bible joe (laughs) whatever um but one of them is a part of a faction that's going against Baez right now. And one of the apprentices is breaking the second law and is leading the revolt in the southern country. I think it's Gorkul. Yeah, something like that. And this is what Baez is talking with the wizard who is Yolwe, I think is his name, the wizard who is with Pharaoh. They're having this discussion about what to do about it. And so pretty, can I just, can I just pretty disrespectful to call them wizards and not Magus. Magus makes it sound way too close to like, we're saying maggots. Right. So I'm going to say wizard. Okay. Okay. Or magi. Magi also sounds very cool. You know what? We'll go magi. So the magi, I think the office of the inquisition is being controlled by this um, wizard, this magi who has broken the second law. And the reason why I think it is, is because Goyle doesn't really have a motive to say it was dogs. It seemed like he was covering up what actually happened, which is clearly somebody eating this person to get their power. And so I think that order is coming down from the top to shut down the investigation and at the end, it it didn't really make sense why Salt was going after Pharaoh, aside from the fact that he wanted to spite Baez for making him look like a fool. But other than that, Salt has no reason to go after this girl. There's nothing there, aside from the fact that she's associated with Baez. But if he's getting if he's getting intel from up top that knows this girl is important for whatever Baez is trying to do. Maybe he's getting orders to capture her to prevent Baez from using her for something else. Okay. This made this made more sense than I was expecting it to. Uh-huh. I will say I think it I think it definitely points a lot of suspicion towards Goyle in this respect. I don't know I don't know if I'm extending that to salt. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Because the 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 whole thing about the work with the person that got eaten and he changed it to a dog. Yeah. That's really suspicious because like, why are you doing that? Right. Um, there's got to be some kind of motive there. Right. That one I could see being Goyle helping out whoever ate this person, which mm-hmm. is probably an eater from Gurkle or whatever it's called. Mm-hmm. So I can see the connection to Goyle. Yeah, I think the apprentice's name was like Khalid or Khalad, something along those lines. Kalul, I think. Kalul, yeah, sure. Yeah. But you're not buying the salt thing. Then, okay, 
Then the question remains, why did Salt send 20 practicals after this girl? Okay, yes. Who cares? That's fair. That's fair. I don't know. I don't know why even that. I mean, can can we say this? It set up the dopest fight. Right? That fight at the end? Brutal. Yeah. Okay, I was gonna I was gonna save this for the end, but we can talk about it now. Yeah, we're already here. Yeah, okay. This has gotta be the coolest introduction to a quote unquote character where Logan, Nine Fingers, turns into the Bloody Nine. He has this Hulk slash Jekyll and Hyde moment. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So so I had, as mentioned, read this before and knew it was coming. Tell me, tell me what your first impressions were. Um, okay, so the fight itself, I kept expecting Nine Fingers to die because it was like he is on the verge of death this whole fight. He's running as fast as he can for like probably hours and getting at a ton of fights that he's way outnumbered and somehow like getting out of it and running, but just getting turned into a bloody pulp. And so, yeah, that moment where he is like, I've got nothing left. I was like, oh, dang, this is it. And then the bloody nine comes out and it was like, what? (laughs) It was, it was like, I mean, I, I've, it very much reminded me of like a Hulk moment where, you know, Bruce Banner turns into the Hulk and just destroys everybody. Um, I definitely did not see it coming at all. I just assumed because, you know, Nine Fingers talks about, and this is something that I wrote down. Nine Fingers talks about how when he used to defeat somebody, he would kind of brutalize them pretty bad. Like he described licking someone's blood off of his fingers and like kind of butchering them and when he said that it was it just made me think this guy had to do a pretty serious rebrand it sounds like (laughs) because that's pretty brutal but then as soon as we get the bloody nine come out it all makes sense like his Mm -hmm. past and all this terrible stuff that he did and the person that he is now completely like makes sense why it seems like they're different people because in a in a way they are different people right everything everything checks into place because it's hard to reconcile the character that we see and the character that we hear like dogman for example describe because dogman when he's talking about logan logan seems awesome you know Mm -hmm. great leader and that kind of thing and then we hear these stories about how horrible he is. And it's it's hard to be like, he really used to be that person. But this, I feel like, is a very unexpected way to make those reconcile. But it works very well. It works um, so well. Yeah. <laughs> it also made Logan sound so much more badass. Like, until this point, uh, he was yeah. a great fighter. And he could kind of get out of stuff. And he was just really competent. But he's like stepped up now to like almost superhero status. And yeah, he's, he's, got this. he's basically supernatural almost. Yeah. It's just and the way the way it's it's written from his perspective where he's like people in front of me corpses then. Yes. Like yeah. The writing Pretty is dope. incredible. The writing is incredible yeah. for the bloody nine section. <laughs> so good. Yeah. I remember that. That's I knew that that was coming and it's still 
it still blew me away a little bit how cool it was. So I don't have anything funny to say about it. It was just, that was, that was cool. I liked it. The one th- okay, the one thing I will say is I want, and I'm guessing that this is coming at the beginning of the second book. Every time something like that happens, I want, I want more of an aftermath scene. Like I want, I want the scene after, after everything calms down and Logan wakes up or something. Everyone's looking at him and I was like, what the fuck, dude? <laughs> I want that scene. Yeah. Granted, the only person there to witness it who lived was Pharaoh. Okay. Yeah. And she but was still, I want, she was probably want that hype part. though. Yeah. I want to, I want to see her get hyped. Well, we did, we got, I mean, we got a little bit of the aftermath when Logan came back and was basically dying because of what he had just done yeah and pharaoh just told him like get up we gotta go (laughs) can we talk about how Baez is just professor xavier from the x-men and he's collecting a school of genetic mutants to to form the little fighting band sure because sure okay first off the like logan wolverine parallel is basically already there because his name's logan but also apparently this girl has pharaoh can heal really quickly i mean it sounds like both these people have supernatural powers and bias bias is also bald can we talk about how that's like professor xavier from the x-men pretty pretty good you figured it out dan so yep (laughs) huge ripoff Dan's not reading anymore. I'm done with it. <laughs> but okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna bring us back a little bit. We jumped to the end there. I'm gonna bring us back. Mm-hmm. Gonna go to the contest. How is Gorst not more popular? Because he doesn't. Everyone fit, hates him. He doesn't Why? fit the narrative, Luke. I just these people are all bigoted. Let's remember they're all bigoted. They're all okay. obsessed with nobility. Even the common people. The, I feel like the common people, okay, let's think about what it would look like if all the common people started cheering for someone that wasn't the person the nobles were all cheering for. That starts mm-hmm. to look like rebellion to me. And if I'm a common person and I know the Inquisition just snatches up whoever they want and tortures them, I'm going to be looking to whatever the king is cheering for and cheering twice as loud. Okay, Sure. I do. Okay, I'm. I'm. I will admit that I'm thinking of my own, my own culture set, mm. and who I think the split of fans would go towards mm-hmm. in in the current world. Mm. Oh yeah, yeah. And I think it would be, even if people, you know, obviously people don't know Jezel very well. They don't know he's he's a complete ass. He sucks. So I'm taking his personality out of it and just like his, the way that he fights and that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. I could see him being pretty popular because he's quick and flashy and that kind of stuff. Right. I could also see Gorst being just as popular. I think you're right. And we do get some people who see that, like Glockta. But think of how many people, think of how many people when the Super Bowl comes on say they don't they don't follow sports at all but they just root for the underdog. Mm. 
that's like a pretty sizable number of people who watch the Super Bowl, I think. Mm-hmm. And in this situation, Jezel is for sure the underdog. Yes. Yeah. I guess so. I mean, they, they gave odds at about even, it sounded like. But Jezel fights like everybody else. And Jezel got a few touches against him in some of these matches. It sounds like Gorst swept. Yeah. And Gorst has a completely different fighting style from anybody else. Definitely shaking up the game. And Gorst sounds twice as big as Jezel. Mm -hmm. Which, can we just talk about how they need weight classes in this freaking contest? <laughs> this was my biggest problem with it, is that we just, we they needed weight classes here. Yeah, I mean, okay, so the the debate here is, is classic speed versus size, though. But and if you don't, if you make weight classes, you don't get that debate. Yeah, but it's plus, plus it's it's just touches. Yeah, I mean, obviously they take it further than that pretty often. Like, of course, uh, shoulder barges people out of the ring and that kind of stuff. Right. But it's not like boxing, where obviously the big dude is going to beat up the little guy because he can take more punches and punch harder. Yeah, but we also get that moment where. Jezel's trying to tire him out and he just doesn't tire out because he's got way more muscle mass than Jezel does and he can wield a way heavier sword so every time he hits Jezel it's like a it's like a steel eye beam hitting his arm whereas for this guy it's just a normal sword I will say I don't know why they don't have regulation more regulations on the swords they mentioned that you can only have them so long but they never made regulations on size. That's fucking you. You guys are you guys are idiots. Well, they didn't expect an anomaly like Gorst to come in and shake up the game. A bigger, stronger guy, crazy. <laughs> Who would have thought there could be a big, strong boy? <laughs> okay. The other thing, Baez does this little cheating thing, which I which I liken to Harry Potter one, when Quirrell and Snape are okay spoilers for harry potter one which screw you if you haven't freaking read harry potter one okay uh quirrell is trying to curse harry's broom right he has to make eye contact and as soon as he gets that interrupted it stops that's kind of what like bias is doing here where he's focusing really hard and making jezel basically way better at fighting well he's also blocking blows Okay, yeah. Blo or making them miss. Yeah. Yeah. I Okay, the point here is that he's focusing really hard, mm -hmm. and Logan is getting pissed at him. Yeah. Logan, give him a little tickle. Oh my gosh, yes. Logan. Just a little, Logan, just a little poke in the side. For sure should have been at this. Don't get mad. Don't get mad, Logan. You know how to solve this problem. Right. Just like, I'm guessing this needs eye contact. Put your, put your hand on his eyes. Maybe order some cotton candy from one of the vendors going by. And oh, as yeah, you reach over, past. you kind of just swoop it in front of Baez. Boom. Broken concentration. Mm -hmm. You take a little bit and you put it up his nose. Oh, that's fun. <laughs> yeah, this is a chance to do anything you want to Baez. Yeah. Well, but also, Luke, if I had been Logan and saw Baez roast 
five guys in a giant fireball? I probably wouldn't. <laughs> I probably wouldn't. Fair enough. I will say for my for my critiques of this, this sounds like a dope fight to go to. You know? Yeah, the last one, sure. Yeah, okay, yeah, the last one. It's to seven. Gorst gets three and is clearly going to get four. And then Jezel, Jezel volleys back. Volleys back is not the right term. The comeback kid. The, the comeback kid. And then, yeah, Jezel comes back with... Jezel comes back. Four touches in a row. And the last touch... The last touch is a half-court shot with half a second to go that wins the game. Yeah. Yeah. This this is the, this is the part where, at this dinner afterwards, where... Jezel keeps complaining about how the Lord Marshal it keeps talking about the fight. Um, yeah. And he keeps saying, like, everyone's talking about it. Yeah, because that was awesome. The fight was incredible. And Jezel, the fact that you aren't super interested to talk about it just means you have no idea how cool it was. Yeah, that would. Oh, that's ESPN classics. That's yeah, that's going to be in the highlight reel for a long time. Right. That's going to be. All 10 of Sports Center top 10 for a year, even though they don't do that. Somebody's going to paint it, right? <laughs> okay. I want to I want to kind of turn off turn off this route and and head back on the bumpy back road that I started carving last week that we might as well call Baez Billy Eilish because he is definitely the bad guy. Okay, I'd like to I'd like to just build up that foundation a little bit more. Great reference, by the way. I know, very topical. So, first off, related to this fight, Baez is talking about not doing any tricks. He's he doesn't do tricks, and then he just helps this random dude win a, a duel for seemingly no reason. Come on, Baez. Either you do tricks or you got something up your sleeve that you don't want to tell other people about. Yeah, I think you can start to tell here. And because he's also, he keeps picking Jizzle for stuff. Mm-hmm. And Glockta. Yeah. He really likes Glockta. So Baez definitely has something going on that we don't know exactly what it is, but we start to get hints about it. And one of the hints that we get is when he's talking to Yolwei. I think I mentioned this earlier, actually. He's talking to Yolwei, and they're talking about how to fight the apprentice in the south who's got his eaters. And they're talking about breaking, uh, what is it, Luke? The first law. Mm, okay, yeah. I was going to give you some props for this. Yep. And the book that he's got lying out in the very beginning that Nine Fingers comments on is about breaking the first law. Luke, Baez is the bad guy. No question <laughs> now. <laughs> okay, okay. I'm going to say unconfirmed bad guy, but I think you're, you're on, you're, you did a great job with the breaking the first law thing. I nailed it. I nailed it. <laughs> All right. Which he hasn't done yet. He's gonna. We also know he's also super arrogant, right? 
was the first of the Magi, Dan. Yeah, but which this means, is which means something. This is what Juven's warned him against for some reason. This is what Juven's warned him against, though. He needs to be just because his he's the first letter of the alphabet doesn't mean he's better than everybody else. There's a couple of little extra pieces. I I still think the seed is the pot for sure. No question, the seed's the pot. Oh yeah, that's that's clearly it. I think we have more evidence though as to how Nine Fingers could have known that. And I think there might not, we might not have been there for the scene when the spirits tell Nine Fingers what the seed is and to leave it behind. Because the reason Baez wants Nine Fingers, at least what we think, what we've heard, is that Nine Fingers can speak to spirits. Mm -hmm. And so it's the spirits, it seems like, know something about the seed. I'm going to say that's how Nine Fingers knew about his pot being the seed to leave it behind. It wasn't just an instinct thing. It was, he got explicit Intel from the spirits. Okay. And so you're sticking with, you're legitimately sticking with the pot as the seed. I mean, yeah, of course. Okay. It's gotta be. Okay. Good. I was worried you were getting soft. Also, I think even if the spirits didn't tell him my, my theory about him having a gut feeling could have been the bloody nine this other supernatural force that kind of gives him strength that could have been the feeling in his gut that could have been his gut feeling saying hey maybe leave that behind <laughs> okay sure there's a sure. lot of layers there's a lot of layers to nine fingers that we haven't we haven't seen yet is all i'm saying that's definitely true and the, and the pot is definitely the seed yeah i'm, Con- I'm sticking confirmed. with that confirmed okay okay one thing here that's that's a little unrelated. There's this scene where they go into the they go into the house of the maker, which we haven't really talked about yet. Mm-hmm. Um, and they talk about how the maker is the one that created the flatheads, as Logan calls them, mm-hmm. or the Shanka. Mm-hmm. Yeah, don't be and, racist, Luke. <laughs> and Jezel makes fun of them like everybody knows those aren't real <sighs> Jezel, just do do a do one good thing stop doing stop making me so frustrated with you literally why th- would you think that they're not real you just got you just walked into a house that you thought was sealed forever after witnessing a magical seal that made you want to vomit and you immediately know that the Shanka don't exist. You're so certain of that that you're going to deny somebody who says they've seen them. Also, the Shanka aren't that crazy of things. No! Right? They're like humanoids with, I'm assuming, flatheads. I'm I'm envisioning orcs. Okay, sure. But like basically the same dirty people is what they it's look not, like. It's, it's not dragons. No, right? no. Because you could conceive... I would, I would not fault him for being like yeah obviously dragons don't exist because they would be a bigger part of the world but even then luke okay even then a little bit so confident after walking into this magical house that that he's never been inside before that is wondrous that is perfectly wondrous and it's clearly magical yeah and witnessing a mad a magi do magic and then he says that these this species of I'm going to say people, but not people, but similar to people, who is not magical, don't exist. 
His arrogance knows no bounds. Literally, the only thing Jezel does that kind of makes you want to like him is he's in love with a girl. Yeah. And there's no, that doesn't make him any better. It just means he like, oh, wow, you're in love. Woohoo. You still suck ass. And okay. And he's still, he's, he does the whole, yeah, she's way better than the other girls because she's this and that. It's like now those, those skinny pale girls are hideous. That's not better, Jezel. Okay. You've just redefined your beauty standards to now exclude a different group of people from being attractive. Just, Jezel, Jezel sucks. Jezel sucks. God. I was hoping, God, when Jezel got called up to be a part of this group, I was so disappointed. Because <laughs> I was looking forward to not having to fucking hear about Jezel anymore. No. No, Jezel's coming. Jezel's and now, coming. okay, I, I will say going back to that last that last point, Logan also criticizes the skinny pale girls. There's there's another bad thing we can say about Logan. Sure. Absolutely. But Jezel, Logan's got a lot of redeeming qualities. Right. We haven't found one for Jezel. No. Even no. even this scene, Jezel beats this guy after cheating, but he didn't know he was cheating. Gorst sounds like such a sweetheart. Gorst is an absolute treasure. Gorst deserves a statue because Gorst gets defeated in an epic way that everyone's going to remember forever. And immediately he picks up Jezel and is like, great fight, dude. You crushed it out there. You deserve to win. I'm so proud of you. Way to go. He's very, he's very proud of him. Yeah. And Jezel's thought is get this filthy pig away from me gorse deserved to win and you know what this is adding weight to my Baez is a bad guy theory because <laughs> if Baez was a good guy he'd let gorst win i agree with that this is that's the most convincing thing to me right now because gorst is phenomenal gorst is humble in defeat Humble, probably humble in victory. It didn't sound like he was doing a lot of show off stuff. He was just in the ring doing what he needed to do and getting out. He tr- he course, worked yeah. hard, worked very hard. Clearly, clearly worked hard in great shape. Very creative, mm. you know, changing up. Probably cha- probably changed up, changed the game forever, forever. As Glock just said, this guy changed the game forever. Absolute legend and Gorst. Gorst had so much more to gain from winning. Because Gorst is a commoner. Gorst mm-hmm. had infinitely more to gain from winning than Jezel did. Still, not bitter in the slightest at the defeat. Okay, yeah, Baez is the bad guy. Baez is the bad guy. Jezel sucks infinitely. You know <laughs> what? I want I want to hear Gorst's perspective. I want Gorst in the next book. Oh, yeah, that'd be nice. Give me one Gorst chapter. It'd probably be the happiest chapter. It would be It'd just be so pleasant. Know, just an, just an absolute delight is Gorst. You know what's not an absolute delight? The freaking running of this country is so frustrating, giving me an anxiety attack every time. It's like somebody just just do things, okay? Well, and what, I, re- I what do you mean, Luke? <laughs> This is this is mostly coming from the West chapter. 
Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. Where he's where he's complaining about how he's has so many things to worry about, and every time he goes somewhere, someone's like, "That's not my problem." Like, and and it's not just that one. There's other small things about this that is just. I mean, it's I, most how is this it's most running? of how this country is being run that is frustrating. How is it? I'm honestly, there's been scenes that I've been surprised that things are happening correctly. So, for example. The fact that the stands got built, I'm like, how? This country, this government does not does not have the capability to like build stands. Their their public school system is falling apart, and they're building a gigantic wooden. Well, actually, hold on. I mean, how how many times have we had the Olympics in our country? <laughs> okay, no, my my point is not to criticize the stands building. Mm. My point is that I'm surprised that they have the capability to do that. Well, I feel like this is a case of there's a lot of money in it Mm -hmm. because they can make a lot of money on this contest. Then this got done. Now you would think there'd be a lot of money in war too. Like, this quartermaster or whoever it was, master of the forge, should totally be like, oh, yeah, you want more? Yeah, we'll make whatever you want. We'll just charge you five times the going rate for right. it. Over time, over time is 1.5. Yeah, ex- yeah, everybody knows that. Yeah, we'll light those forges for you 1.5 times with the normal rate, and you got your swords. Yeah. That The other thing that bothered me about that specific interaction, though, is they were like both the same rank. But West is a commoner, so the master of the forges kind of talked down to him a little. And then West came back and really got up in his face and got all angry at him. And after that, the guy was like, oh, yeah, okay, we'll we'll light the forges. Fine, fine. Just you got it. How does that work? Why does that work? As in as in he. He should not like okay, so the 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 fear for him, I'm assuming, is that if he doesn't say no, West is gonna beat him up. Yeah. There's an immediate intimidation that West is using to get what he wants. And so the forge the guy who's the master of the forge says, Yeah, okay, okay, we'll light the forges. But then West is gonna go off and do something else, right? Yeah. Yeah, I'm not lighting the forges. <laughs> Which to be clear, he might not have done. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. But West makes it sound like kind of mission accomplished. Yeah. Yeah. That's fair. That's a good point. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know either. But yeah, this this country isn't... It should be in shambles at this point. Yeah, it should be. So one thing that I'm going to throw in here really quickly that I just thought of, the... In the House of the Maker, Mm -hmm. we've got... They find this chest. I'm going to ignore that. They find this weapon that should sound, sounds like it does some crazy stuff, but is, to me, not, it, it fell a little flat. Yeah. I, it wasn't as intimidating as I feel like it should have been. I was, that, did you get that? Yeah, I also got that. It It sounded like if somebody welded a bunch of rebar to a cheese grater. Mm-hmm. That was the kind of image I was getting in my head, mm-hmm. and it, I, yeah, I, it should have sounded so much cooler than it did. 
for what it for what it had done in the past yeah yeah also fell flat for me okay okay good to know the other thing about that though i don't understand the relationship between Baez and the maker i i mean i can't tell if they're enemies that just have a lot of respect like if he has a lot of respect for the maker or if they're like friends and he felt bad about having to kill the maker or what because he has he gave a sword made by the maker to logan that he had in his like house so that to me either says that they're on they were kind of on friendly terms or it's a respect thing okay so i think so Baez is the apprentice or was the apprentice of juvens Mm -hmm. who is who seems to be like head and shoulders above Baez and all of yes everyone else juvens and the the maker is juvens's brother yes so presumably they're on about an equal level right just they have, you know, different skills. Mm-hmm. So the maker is also head and shoulders above Baez. Mm-hmm. Mm. But, okay, I get that. Baez killed him. Right. So we don't know how he did that, but. Well, he just threw, apparently all it takes is throwing him off a really high place. So <laughs> seems like maker, yeah. you didn't need to build a cool weapon. You could have just found a tall mountain. Maybe you should have spent some time training with those weapons instead of just making a bunch of them. I mean, well, Luke, it's not really his deal, obviously. So the other thing about the House of the Maker, at one point, Glockta stops and turns to Jezel and says, we haven't walked up any stairs. And they're looking down. I think they're like hundreds of feet above the city skyline and they entered at ground level. And Jezel is terrified. And Glockta has this look like, oh no. Okay, big whoop. They invented the elevator. Can we please get this tech everywhere so Glockta doesn't have to complain every five minutes? Yeah, Glockta should be hyped. Glockta should be so hyped. Like, yes, the answer my prayers have been answered. I don't have to climb up a single stair. Get these everywhere. Get me an elevator and- in the Inquisition office. And it's kind of so he he obviously doesn't know how to how it's done, mm-hmm. but he can see that it's possible, which is an, which is should be enough. Well, okay, I don't know if it should be enough, but it should it should it should help. Like I see things about certain levels of technology that they're like, yeah, in a hundred years we're going to be able to do this. I'm like, okay, I'm never going to see that. But that's awesome. I'm hyped now. Glockta should kind of be feeling the same way. Yeah. Or at the very least, he should be thinking of how... I mean, maybe he's not going to be able to implement this as well as the maker did, but it should give him ideas. Like, oh, we we raised up a large distance without ever walking up ramps or steps. I wonder, how would I do that? Hmm. Right. Let's come up with some diagrams. Let's make some blueprints. Let's... This is exactly what we were talking about last episode. The difference between Nine Fingers and Glockta is Nine Fingers has a can-do attitude. Even more so with the Bloody Nine. A very can-do attitude. See that body <laughs> over there? It's now, it will be a corpse soon. I can do that. Mm-hmm. 
confidence. Meanwhile, Glockta sees a set of stairs and says, I don't think I'm going to be able to do that. Right. It's like, Glockta, you could ask someone to come to you for once. Also, more solutions. Okay. No more, no more solutions for Glockta from us. <laughs> speaking of, okay, speaking of Glockta. Yeah, we need to speak of Glockta. I am, the, the scene with Glockta and Major West. Uh-huh. I'm into Glockta needing a friend. I loved that scene. Every <laughs> bit of that scene I was so hype about. Because I was kind of on Glockta's side for a while when West came and was begging Glockta to look after his sister. And Glockta spits back at him. You never visited me when I came back. What the hell, dude? Why would I help you now? And you could tell Glock had been wanting to say this to a lot of people. But with West, it was like it cut him the deepest that West didn't show up. Yeah. Oh, man, when West turned around, kind of over his shoulder, said, I did. Twice. Oh, got me good, Luke. Right. Because you know Glockta's whole perspective about the world changed there. Cause he yeah, had- I'm, I'm, I'm ready. I'm, I'm here for... A big Glockta character arc. I am in... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Where he's... he's, We we come to learn that he's become this super pessimistic guy because people didn't visit him. And all of a sudden, Major Wet, he comes to realize people did visit him. I'm ready for... I'm ready for a a really heartfelt turnaround, a tearjerker. I'm ready for that from Glockta. I'm excited for the new friend montage with Glockta and Colonel West where they are getting ice cream together and they're riding Mm -hmm. a tandem bike through the park and they're feeding bread to ducks. You know, they're giving each other makeovers. They're having slumber parties. I want that montage. I'm assuming that that happened behind the scenes. I'm kind of waiting for Wes to come back for that to happen. Okay. You know, like, like, okay. Okay. So they, here it is. West comes back from the war and obviously his sister and him don't have a good relationship. So he's not expecting anyone to be there for him. Right. When he comes back, look who it is. Glockta. He's got a sign that says it's been 207 days since we've seen each other. He's yeah. waiting. He's like at the airport where people have the signs. He's waiting yeah. at the ships for West to come off. Yeah, exactly. It's uh that's gonna be the most adorable scene. I'm gonna I'm gonna cry. I know that. If right you don't, I think if you don't cry, you're a monster. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Speaking of people that don't cry, is there anyone less relatable than Pharaoh? Oh, less relatable than Pharaoh. Well, honestly, Jezel. <laughs> okay. Aside from Jezel, though. No. It's just so I I get I hear I hear you. You know, she's been a slave, gone through all this stuff, this stuff, totally fair. But I'm still frustrated when people are like, "Hey, can you just wait here for 30 minutes or hey can you give this person your knife and not kill seven people so that we can walk forward a little bit 
and then she doesn't and and she ruins everything. I get it. I get it that she's had life experiences. She's got trust issues have, for sure. That have made her this way. She's frustrating. And I can't and I I it's hard for me to relate to it. Okay, which Liz. Is, which is not okay, which to be clear is fine. People don't relate to people all the time. But this I shouldn't relate to that. This leads us to an important question though. If you're traveling a long distance, would you rather be sharing a room with Jezel or Pharaoh? Probably Jezel, if I'm honest. Oh, no. Pharaoh. Pharaoh for sure. I'm with Pharaoh. I just, I don't know. Okay, why would, you, why would you hang out with Jezel over Pharaoh? What's wrong okay. with Pharaoh? Because we already know everything that's wrong with Jezel. Okay, I'm not thinking of hanging out with her necessarily. Mm -hmm. I'm more thinking of the fact that nothing would work. If I'm traveling long distances, I'm getting I'm getting arrested five minutes in. Okay, that's... if I have to go through if I have to go through customs with Pharaoh, no. I just okay. Now that I'm thinking about this too, Pharaoh smells pretty bad, and I feel like Jezel would have pretty good hygiene. Jezel, I also don't think would want to talk to you. Which, to be clear, Pharaoh wouldn't either. But it's for completely different reasons. Jezel doesn't want to talk to me because he thinks he's better than me, and that would piss me off. Pharaoh doesn't so, want to talk okay. to me because she just doesn't. She just wants to murder so okay let's let's picture a road trip yeah here with pharaoh first of all she's not driving oh absolutely not uh i'm not trusting her to give me directions no i'm she's probably gonna cut my arm off in the middle of me driving and we're gonna die see luke meanwhile meanwhile jezel I'm just going to put my headphones in, listen to a book on tape the whole time. No, 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 no. See, Luke, because what we have here is a, is a classic scenario of a diamond in the rough where Pharaoh, maybe not the best communicator, but you throw her the ox cord and you get a whole new perspective about what Pharaoh's about. Pharaoh starts Ooh. giving us some of her musical tastes. Oh, Pharaoh, this is very good. I really like this. Pharaoh, you're into bluegrass? What a twist. Pharaoh, I'm loving this old crow medicine show. <laughs> Rock me, baby, like a wagon wheel, Pharaoh, because this is my jam. And then you get a little sing-along going. Oh. Meanwhile, Jezel, you, if you handed Jezel the ox chord, classical music the whole way. Uh, classical music, probably like the Ben Shapiro podcast. God, kill me now. <laughs> And he wouldn't, you, there would be no polite way to get the ox cord back from him. Right. You couldn't be like, hey, can That's I play true. some of my stuff? And he'd be like, no, 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 no. I know what I'm doing. Mm -hmm. Trust me. I know what I'm doing. And you'd be like, oh, Jezel. <laughs> okay, sure. And you'd be like, hey, you know, I don't have the money to stop at nice restaurants for lunch. I'm going to pack a PB&J. He's like, no, we're going to steakhouses. I'm not paying for you. Meanwhile, Pharaoh, Pharaoh will eat the crumbs in between the seats. Fine. <laughs> totally fine with that. Okay, you're starting to, you're starting to bring me around. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Also, 
You know who's not going to complain about your car being a little bit dirty the whole time? Oof, yeah. Pharaoh. Pharaoh. On the flip side, Jezel's probably going to pay for gas. Mm-hmm. Like, it would be a point of pride to pay for gas, I think, with Jezel. I don't know, though. Because I think Jezel's one of those people that just doesn't think about that kind of thing. Uh, okay, yeah. You know, he's so rich that he doesn't think about people not having not being able to just afford gas super easily you know but what he is good for you know when you're like two days into a road trip and you just need a pick me up you just need a little like uh you just need a win you turn to jezel and say we need a restaurant that's gonna be just great a a local spot it's maybe uh ethnic cuisine where do we go jezel's like i got the best place it's a little pricey, but it's so good. <laughs> You're not going to get that from Pharaoh. You're definitely not getting that from Pharaoh. No. Okay. Good point. Good point. I don't know. I'm, I'm going back and forth on this. So, okay. So, listeners, what are your thoughts? Who would you rather be on a road trip with? Are we going, we're going road trip, right? Yeah, road trip. Yeah. Road trip. You're going with either Pharaoh or Jezel. Tweet at us. Tell us your thoughts. Or if you want to go with Brother Longfoot, he would probably be pretty annoying too. Maybe not, though. Oh, yeah, that would be true. I don't know. I don't know of any of these people going on this journey. Logan, I would definitely go with. Oh, Logan in an instant. Okay. Last thing that I have that we have not talked about very much is the Northerners. Mm-hmm. We get, you know, we get a lot of, of or several scenes with them. And they're all from Dogman's perspective. The one thing that I have is the way that these scenes are written written is from is kind of from it sounds almost like Dogman is talking. Mm-hmm. And I love it. Cause I don't know how to describe it, but the way the way things are said, um, it's kind of matter of fact. And, you know, it's clearly it's clearly as if Dogman was writing this story like he remembered it a few days ago right. or something like that. Right. But it's very and short and it's very to the point. Uh, I think the word is laconic. It's super laconic. Okay. Yeah. It's a little vocab for you. And <laughs> I'm impressed. And I'm loving it because longtime listeners will know I rarely pay attention to details like what a character looks like. But things like this... And I don't know how to describe it, but really put a good picture of Dogman in my head. Who he is. Yeah. Yeah. We also get that scene where they're burying Weakest. Mm-hmm. It's a touching moment. Black Dal. We don't know if he was crying or not. Yeah. It shows that the North is a cold and hard place, but they've still got heart. At least those, those hearts are melting, Dan. These five have heart. Okay, Luke, should we talk about thoughts on the book? Yeah, yeah. Okay, um, you, you go ahead and go first. This is your second read-through. What'd you get on it the second time through? Okay, second read-through. As I mentioned in the first episode, I was originally, I was, when, I, when I first read it, I wasn't a huge fan. I don't know why. I was wrong. This book's fantastic. Um, loving it. Loving the characters. Uh, I don't know. 
the the story has been set up it's clearly the setup to a, lo- a series right like this is not a this is not a a one-off book that also has a series so i don't know if we can necessarily judge the story yet but i'm sucked in you know obviously i want i'm very intrigued by what's going to happen next in the next book in the book after that um there's a few things like We've mentioned I got a little tired of the Glockta complaining thing, but, you know, just character building of Glockta. Sure, we can make that argument. But overall, loving it. Yeah, uh, totally agree with you. If if I were to put this book among kind of the other books that we've read so far, this is going top three for me of all the books that we've read so far. I feel like you say that every time. Okay, well, a lot of things are getting bumped out then. <laughs> you keep bumping things. This book You have such a big recency bias. Okay, that's definitely true. Compare it to compare it to Liza Wakamura. Okay. I didn't say top because Liza Wakamura <laughs> still on top. But this okay. is either this is either two or three for me right now. So it's not it's not like one A. It's like two. For sure. For sure. Okay. And it was so the reason why I think it was such a great book is a lot of the same reasons that you did or that you said already. I'm intrigued about where the story is going. I think there have been a lot of hints and threads that have been dangled out there for us to pick up on. I'm interested to see where those unwind to. There's a massive world that we have yet to really explore in detail. The characters Okay, not only are they super well characterized, we get a lot of, you know, these characters seem like real people to a certain extent. I will say Jezel, more, probably more of them, but Jezel in particular is a little overdone. I'm with you In on my that. opinion. Yeah, I, I wish Jezel would have had like one more redeeming quality. But I will say the character growth that we've seen with characters has been the most interesting thing that I've witnessed. Things like Glockta learning that he had a friend and then kind of having this new perspective about the world and the change that we get with Nine Fingers when when the Bloody Nine comes out and how his whole character shifts at that moment. And even with Jezel, we're kind of getting hints that his character might change in the near future. He's talking about being a better person for Artie. And so I'm really liking the development that's happening with the characters. I think that character development has been really, not obvious, but it's been really profound with a lot of characters. Yeah. So, so I would say there, I, I would say that there hasn't necessarily been a lot of character development but there's been a lot of setup for future character development. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Or like revelation. And I also appreciate how the character development isn't always like positive growth. Like West beating Artie. Oh, mm-hmm. that was a bad scene. Yeah. But it definitely added a new feature to who West is. Great characters in this book. I love it. But I will say, I will say it's it's related to why I love Lies of Lachlamora. Because okay. in, in Lies, the characters were also so good. Yeah. Pretty good reviews. Pretty good reviews here. 
Speaking of reviews. So, you know, one year we've been doing this. If if you like, if you've been listening, if you like our show, we don't we don't do this often, but we'd love to hear from you guys. Give us a give us a rating and a review. Um but also, here's a little more importantly, tell some friends about us. Here's a little here's a little I'm going to pull back the curtain a little bit. Ratings and reviews on iTunes don't actually matter for anything. <laughs> no. <laughs> so, leave a rating and review to make us feel good and let people that have already found our podcast see if they like it. It doesn't put us in the rankings higher or anything like that. But so the the better thing to do if you want to help us out, tell a friend about us that you think might like might like the show. Send them send them a message with a link in it to a show. Maybe you know they've just read a fantasy book. Hey, there's also this podcast that I think is really great. Mm-hmm. You should check them out. <laughs> okay. And so we've we've finished that book. Let's 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 tell the people what the next one's going to be. Okay. So Game of Thrones the TV show has just ended and the HBO is looking for their next big TV series. I think it's HBO, right? No, it's it's Netflix. Okay, well, Netflix is looking to pick up a fantasy series and they're looking at the Witcher series to turn into a TV show. Okay, they're looking at the. They've already, they're making The Witcher. Well, the TV show. Yeah, they're working on it. There's a trailer. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, it's just a trailer. Anyway, we figured we'd help the effort getting this thing made into a TV show. So Luke and I are going to be reading The Last Wish, which is a collection of short stories in the Witcher universe for our next episode. Right now, we're planning on reading the entire thing. It's fairly short. Um, hold on. I'm going to get the... Do you have the author name? Uh, I'm not going to try to pronounce it. Okay. I'm going to try and pronounce it. Hold on. Let me... It's it's Polish. Oh, how do you pronounce that? <laughs> try it, Dan. Give I'm going to try it. Oh, boy. It's Polish. Let's see if there's a pronunciation guide. <laughs> quote from dan oh boy it's polish (laughs) (laughs) all right so leave it in (laughs) we're not leaving this in uh so uh we're gonna be reading the last wish by andrzej sapkowski (laughs) you don't think it's just andre could be andre sapkowski (laughs) but why put a z in there i don't know maybe andrew by mr sapkowski Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and yeah we're planning on reading the full book for our next episode yeah amb- ambitious but we'll we'll see what we can do I, I think we're gonna get there regardless so plan on you know it's a lot of reading but that's what we're here for we're here to help you we're here to give you some hot takes And we're here to act like dumb nerds.